you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Aren't you glad I'm in the house of the Lord today? Amen. We want you to know we're so glad to have you at Compassion. So glad to have you in the house of the Lord. Isn't God good? And all the time, God is good. We just heard a testimony, a story. You know, there's three things that I think you need to know in your life when it comes to giving to God. One is, is give your tithe, give your time, give your talent. Here's another one. Give your testimony. I always say that give your tithe, your time, your talent, and your testimony to God, and God will bless every part of your life. You've got to trust Him. You've got to believe in Him. You've got to have faith in Him that if you do your part, He will always do His part. If you want God to bless your finances, then be a giver. If you want God to bless your life, then then give your time and your talents. If you want God to bless what you say, then give Him your testimony. And if you do, God will do great and mighty things in your life. Before I get into the sermon today, I do want to share with you a few things we have coming up. In August, we start our new sermon series, Unlocked. It'll be a a sermon on the Holy Spirit, how you unlock the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't want to miss it. I promise you this sermon series is going to change your life and you're going to see things in a different way when you begin to hear what the Holy Spirit can do when you only allow Him. Also in the month of July, I mean the month of August, we'll also have 21 days of prayer. Not 21 days of prayer and fast, and we do that in January, but for the month of August, we'll be doing 21 days of prayer, interceding for the church, interceding for your life, and interceding for what God wants to do. And then at the end of August, the last week of August, we will be doing what we call the God wave, a miracle, and we're believing God's going to do miracles in your life if you trust Him and believe in Him. You don't want to miss that service. That last service in August, you don't want to miss it. It's called our God Wave. We're going to be doing a miracle day, and we're going to believe that God's going to do great and mighty things in your life. It'll be a little different. We won't be doing service that day like we normally do. It'll be a little bit different. It'll be geared toward us as men and women of God coming together and praying and believing and speaking God to do something in our lives. Amen. Can I tell you a story? The lady goes shopping one day. She buys this very expensive dress. Comes home and her husband comes home for work and finds out she has bought this very expensive dress. He said, honey, what in the world were you thinking? Buying a dress this expensive, this extravagant, what were you thinking? She said, honey, I'm sorry, the devil made me do it. He said, then why in the world did you not tell the devil, get thee behind me, Satan? She said, I did. And from the back, he said, the dress looks just as good back there as it does in the front. So I bought it. Isn't that horrible? That's bad. 
You know, for the last few weeks I've been teaching uh, every day on the lies that many times are told. I've been talking about the God lies. Not that God lies. Uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback from that. A lot of people complain. Somebody called us in the church and said, you're saying God lies. No, we're, we're not saying that. We're saying lies that we tell about God and his word that are not true. That's what we're talking about. And if we can get out of our God lies and start getting in God's truth, then God can truly do something in your life you never thought possible. The first week I talked some about, you know, God helps those that help themselves. Second week I talked about God works in mysterious ways. This last time I talked more about, well, that, well, how did I say it? God works all things for the good. Now that actually is in the Bible. The problem is we many times don't finish the rest. For those who love him and are called to his purpose. So a God lie can be a half truth. And many times that's what happens. We will tell half the scripture, not all the scripture, or we'll misinterpret the scripture. And that causes just as many problems as telling a God lie. So today, I'm going to do it a little bit different. I'm not just going to talk about one. I'm going to talk about three. Three God lies that we tell many times that get repeated, get spoken, but aren't the Word of God. And the thing is, I'm going to take all three and tie them into one. In fact, if I had a subtitle to my sermon today, it would be this, Temptations of God Lies. Temptations of God Lies. Lies. And I want you to look with me today at Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 40. Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 40. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. I wonder if that time of Peter goes, hey, why me? Why are you picking on me? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into what? Temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We know there's three parts of us as men and women of God. There's the flesh, there's a spirit, and there's the soul. The soul is in constant battle between the spirit which connects us to God and the flesh which connects us to the world. So in essence, he says right here, in other words, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and we have a tendency of always giving into the flesh. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. And Lord, I pray today that every heart and every mind to be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. And let not one, not one, leave this house the same way that they came. But let him be blessed by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So today I'll talk to you about three, three different God lies that we tell. And from these God lies, what ends up happening is we look here. Here's the first one that I want to share with you. Number one, God will not give you more than you can bear. God will not give you more than you can bear. Now, how many times have you heard that? 
How many times have you said that? God will not give you more than you can bear. Now, as we look at that passage there, I want you to think about something. Go look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says this, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall, to, 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 do not fail. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way so that you cannot endure it, or so you can't endure it. Many times what we say is we're going through a difficult time, we're going through a tough time, and what we'll do is is we'll say, well, God says he will not give you more than you can bear. That is not biblical. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel better. It, it, in essence, makes us as believers of Christ to look at our tough situation and say, well, it could be tougher. Well, it's going to be over soon. Well, it's not as bad as I thought. Well, the problem is that verse right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 has nothing to do with difficulties and everything to do with temptation. Now, In other words, let me say it this way. God will not give you more temptation than you can bear. In other words, there is no sin or temptation that you can't get out of. There is no sin or temptation that you can't overcome. There is no sin or temptation that God won't take you out of. That's what God says right there. Now, why do we turn it and make it about the difficult times, the tough times, instead of making it about sin? Here's something I want you to write down. The real God lie is more about a painless life than a sinless life. In other words, we as believers want to have a painless life, but we don't care much about a sinless life. When God is more more concerned about your sinless life than he is about your painless life. If you look down here at verse I mean, chapter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live with the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. In other words, let me put it another way. God suffered, so shall we suffer. See, what we do many times is we take God and want to make him our Santa Claus. We take God and we want to make him say that everything in our life is going to be all right. We want to take God and say, I'm never going to go through hardship or difficulty, that I'll never go through pain or suffering. And the problem is that's just not what the Bible says. But what we miss out on is really what God is really trying to say. And what God is trying to say is, is, I will never, ever allow a temptation in your life that you can't get out of. The devil made me do it. If it wasn't for the devil, it wouldn't happen. I, I just, I, I had no control. Now, don't get me wrong, there may be some people with mental issues or other issues that they make it use that excuse. But for us as believers, you never use that excuse and say to yourself, well, I just couldn't get beyond this temptation. That is not from the Word of God. There's no temptation you'll ever face, no sin that you'll ever encounter. 
Nothing that is bad that will ever come your way. That God will not give you a way out to overcome that sin, to overcome that temptation. See, when we go around saying to people, hey, God will never give you more than you can bear, go say that to someone who's lost a loved one. Go say that to someone right now that's going through a bad disease. Go say that to someone that's going through a terrible time in their life and you say, well, God won't give you more than you can bear and see if they don't punch you in the face. See, when we do that, what we're trying to do is take our Christian walk and make it a painless walk and make it without trials and tribulations or trouble. And God says, I didn't promise you that, but I did promise you this. I'm more concerned that you try to get sin and temptation out of your life. Why? Because sin and temptation will always separate you from me. If I had to let you know, you don't want to hear this. Sometimes pain and suffering will bring you closer to God. It'll make you realize what you had. It'll make you realize how you should act. It'll make you realize don't do what you do. It'll make you realize that we don't live in a perfect world. In fact, if you don't understand it yet, and I hope one day you will grasp a hold of it, we don't belong here. See, we were destined to be in the Garden of Eden. We were destined to be in the Garden of Eden like heaven. In fact, the same tree of life, of good and of evil, I mean, this tree of life will be as it was in the Garden of Eden. It will also be in heaven. And see, one day we'll be in heaven. We'll be with God. And all the pain and suffering, tears, all the issues that we experience here on this earth, they will fade away in the presence of the glory of God. And we won't worry anymore. But I'm here to tell you, God never designed me to be where I'm at right now. I was supposed to be walking around the Garden of Eden naked. Thank God that didn't happen. But that's what I was designed. No pain. No suffering. We would have been vegetarians and I don't know about vegans, but we'd have been vegetarians. We'd have never gotten sick. We'd have never died. Everything would be wonderful and awesome. And then that Eve just messed it all up. She ruined it all. How many of you ever thought about slapping Eve when you get to heaven? Well, if you're going to slap Eve, you better slap old Mr. Adam too. See, we have this idea that Adam, Eve got tempted by the, by the devil and, and Adam wasn't anywhere to be found. If you go read the passage, that is not how it happened. Eve's right here having a conversation with the devil and Adam's right over here doing something else going. He heard everything that was going on. He knew what was taking place. If not, then let's say it this way. At least Eve was, was tempted and, and converted over by at least a supernatural being. Adam just got, well, convinced by a woman. So actually is the stronger one. Eve, not Adam. So, but what do we do? we got to realize that we were never designed to be in the world that we're in. We were designed to be in the Garden of Eden like it would be in heaven. But here's the great thought. One day we will leave this world and we will be with God in heaven and there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more tears or trials and tribulations. But for you to continue to make earth as if there won't be problems, you're sadly mistaken. And don't get me wrong, in the middle of your difficulties, my God will be there. In the middle of your trials and tribulations, I promise you, God will give you comfort. In the middle of those things that seem impossible, I promise you, God will never leave you. 
But when we keep taking this scripture, this God lie, and twisting it and turning it and saying, well, God will never give you more than you can bear, it's not true. God is saying he'll never give you a temptation that you can't overcome. He'll never give you a sin that will come in your life that he won't give you a way out. Amen? Number two, write this down. Money is the root of all evil. No, it's not an amen. That's an old me. In fact, go look in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, and let's, let's talk about it. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful, desire, harmful desires that plunge people into a ruin and destruction for the love. For the love. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Why is that so important, Pastor? Oh, that's, you know, schematics. You're just, you're, you're, you're splitting hairs. No. Money is a piece of paper. I pull some out, but I don't have none. That's why I don't love it. I ain't got none. Money's a piece of paper. That's all it is. How does it have evil within it? Let me tell you why it's important we bring this. Well, Pastor, what has that got to do with temptation? Write this down. The God lie that temptations is out of our control. The devil, didn't make, the devil made me do it. Oh, I couldn't help but be greedy. The money made me do it. When I got beside that $100 bill, it just pulled me to it. Oh. See, the problem with that is, is when we start saying stuff like that, we start blaming the devil many times for what we did. We'll always battle with temptation. We'll always go through those struggles. But the problem with us many times in our life, in the middle of those struggles, we need to stop blaming others or circumstances or situations. Well, I wouldn't have done that if I had not been in that bad state. I, I, listen, I, I, I wouldn't have done that if I had not just gone through that breakup with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Listen, I, I, I wouldn't have done that if my boss had been nicer to me. See, there comes a moment where you must own what you've done. There comes a situation in your life where you must take responsibility for your failures. There comes that moment where you say, I was wrong, I messed up. Here's the thing. We serve a God of grace. We serve a God that loves you. We serve a God that forgives you. But to forgive you, he wants you to admit there's a problem. He doesn't want you to keep blaming everybody else for what's going on in your life. Admit that you were tempted. You gave in to temptation. It wasn't right. You failed. You made a mistake. But the good side is this, that all I've got to do is ask God, repent of my ways, and I'm good. But some of you just keep going down the same road, making the same excuses. So you keep just doing the same things and saying it's all right. Well, it's just, I'm... I'm I'm just stressed right now. You know, we just went through a pandemic and it's, it's bad. See, there's never, it's never okay to do things irresponsible and then put the responsibility on somebody else for your actions. It never is. Because see, I can't fix a problem until I admit I've got a problem. If I'm an alcoholic, 
I can never overcome that alcoholism until I finally say in my life, I've got a drinking problem. Pastor, I've just, I don't understand. I've got a, I got a uh, bottle come up to my mouth problem. I'm just, just walking down the road and a bottle comes up to my mouth and it starts pouring into my mouth. It's such, we just got to figure out what's wrong with these bottles. It just supernaturally appears. And all of a sudden, I'm drinking a bottle. Yeah, you're drinking two bottles, that alcohol bottle, but also a little baby bottle because you need to grow up. Listen, I'm not trying to beat you over the head. What I'm trying to say is we as believers continue to give into the same temptations and then blame everybody else and, and instead of taking responsibility when what you don't understand and what you don't know is you're just a turn away, a forgiveness away, a repentance away from changing your life and getting rid of that sin. You just got to admit it's your fault. Look at your neighbor and say it's your fault. No, no. Now look back at your name and say, I'm sorry, it's my fault. There you go. Let me say this. I get it. I've got a counselor in here, and I get that a lot of who we become is because of our life, what we've gone through, parents, we've been victimized. I, I get that, and I don't minimize that. I don't. But there then also comes a moment in our life where we've got to grow up and say, I can't keep blaming my past. I can't keep blaming what happened. For some of you, you've been held down and broken down for years and years because of some terrible thing that happened to you. It's time to suck it up, buttercup. It's time to get over it and get up and say, you know what? No more. No more. I know. I know it was my fault. I know I made a mistake, but I also know that my God forgives me. And if my God forgives me, my God can restore me. Some of you, God's just waiting. See, we got to learn some self-control. It tells us in Proverbs 25, 28, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. I hate when someone tells me they lose their temper. You didn't lose your temper. You found it. I never lost my temper. I found my temper. I used to fight all the time. And Listen, I was never out of control. It never was like this fighting spirit came over me and like. That never happened. It was pride. It was, it was anger. It was, you're not going to, I know where mine was when I started doing research and started studying my life is I just didn't like somebody talking down to me and I had a prideful attitude and you just weren't going to get the best of me. So I was going to get the best of you before you get the best of me. It was pride. You've got to be willing as a believer to accept responsibility. And do me a favor, stop blaming God. My life turned out like this because of God. No, your life turned out because of you. Pastor's not trying to be tough tonight. In fact, what I'm trying to do is move you beyond the place you've been stuck for so long. The temptation of the status quo. The temptation of saying this is the best it will ever get. The temptation of just accepting life as is. 
Listen, y'all know my past. Y'all know. Listen, I could have curled up in a ball and hid in the corner. I could have said, I, listen, there ain't no way I'll ever pastor. There ain't no way I can ever be a preacher. Listen, it's better I just hide. But listen, I decided in my life that I cared more about getting lost people saved than what people said about me. Talk. Say what you want, believe what you want, but I'm going to know in the name of Jesus Christ that I did all that I could do for his kingdom and for his glory. Titus 1.8 says this, Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. I want to say something to you tonight. Hear me. God does want our holiness and our righteousness. It's not just about his grace, but it's about our gratitude. If you believe in his grace, then you should be showing gratitude by that, for that grace, by the life that you live that brings honor and glory to his name. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and listen to this one, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Number three, the last one. Here's another lie. God might tempt us. I'm going to say something to you, and I want you to look at this passage here. Is out of James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Who tempted, when tempted, no one should say, hear this, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by an evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Well, Pastor, what's that got to do? We always say that God tests us. First of all, understand God does test us. But he never tempts us. God is a holy God and can have nothing to do with evil. I've heard so many times people say a, a sin came in their life and they said, listen, I know that God was tempting me, but I overcame. Or I know God was tempting me and I gave in. That was not God. God will never tempt you to sin. Now, I do want to say this. It's not that God's going to stop it. You decide to leave this place tonight and I don't know, go to a strip joint. God's not going to hang out at the front door and grab you by your belt loop and drag you back. The new coach for football venerables at OU. He's been with OU years ago. They had a guy on the sideline that did one thing for venerables. Somebody may know this. His job was to grab him by his belt loop and keep him off the field because he would run on the field and he'd get in trouble. So they had a guy that his main job was just to hold on to Venerables, and you'd see him. Venerables would be on the sideline. There's this guy holding him and trying to hold him back. So he wouldn't run on the field. See, God isn't going to do that to you. 
He's not going to make you not do what you want to do. Listen, we have free will. I just had a discussion with a, a pastor recently about this. He discussion about one saved, always saved, Calvinism, all of that. And he said, well, I do believe in sovereignty, and I do too. I believe in the sovereignty of God. But also I believe in free will. If God will make me not sin, then I don't have free will. If God will not, in other words, allow temptation, not that God tempts me, but we live in a broken world where there's temptation everywhere. You see, many times what we do is, well, God's allowed this in my life. God, God brought this temptation in my life. He didn't. He didn't. God was saying, if I would pass the test of temptation, He didn't. God wants us to live a holy life and a righteous life. God wants us, and the Bible says, to strive for perfection. Now, does that mean I can be perfect? Can I? Yes. Will I? Probably not. Anybody sin this week? Anybody sin today? Anybody sin when you walked in church? Some of you just leave your hands up. Some of you are like this. Are you sinning right now as I'm preaching? Let me know there comes a moment to where God deserves your gratitude. And instead of you allowing temptation, you focus on the truth of God's word. And say, God, I want to be everything you can call me to be. And I don't want my life to be limited by this temptation. Now let me say this. Some of you... God right now can set you free. For others, you're going to need some help. You need an accountability partner. You need a Christian brother that when you're about to sin, you can call and say, listen, if you don't come over right now, I'm going to mess up bad. You need someone that you can go to. Maybe some of you, you need to get some counseling. Say, I'm a true believer. I believe in many things from the Word of God. I believe in deliverance. I do. I sit in the Scriptures. But also I see after deliverance there needs to be counseling. The Bible says that when his spirit's kicked out, it goes from here to there, roaming around, and it comes back and it finds you all sweeped up and cleaned out, and, but you haven't filled that with something else, which is God. He said he brings back seven friends with him. See, some of you keep getting things cleaned out of your life, but you don't fill your life completely with God. And then your little friend comes back around, but this time he brings seven buddies with him and said, come on, he's not right with God. Let's get back in there. And the Bible says it comes back what? Stronger. See, the greatest lies that you think you can't overcome the temptation in your life, it's a lie from the pits of hell. There's no sin in your life that God cannot help you overcome. There's no addiction that God can't break off you. But see, you have to submit to God. James says it best. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he must flee. You've got to submit to God. What does it mean to submit to God? To submit to his will. 
Can I tell you sometimes you need to run? My spiritual father was an alcoholic until the age of 42 years old. 42 years old, he got saved, put himself in rehab. He said, be, be honest with you, I didn't spend much time with the rehab. I spent the whole time while I was in rehab reading the Word of God. He said, I read all of the Word of God while I was in the rehab. I went from Genesis all through Revelation and read the Word of God. He thought he was strong. He thought he was good. He went to an area, had to fly somewhere one day when he landed in the airport. He said, I'm walking through the airport and all of a sudden I see the bar. He said, it was physically pulling me toward it. He said, I wanted to drink so bad. And he said, in the middle of that airport at that moment, he goes, Jesus! He said, everybody freaked out. In this day and time, they would have threw him on the ground and arrested him. And he said, at that moment, it broke and I've never desired to drink again. He said, I was submitting to God, and I was going to resist the devil. Submitting to God is knowing his word. Submitting to God is spending time in prayer. Submitting to God is praising his name. Submitting to God is being obedient to his word. Submitting to God is sometimes you've got to run. Listen, if you've got a drinking problem, then you may have to go an extra five miles to get to your house so you don't pass by that bar. If you're struggling with lust, you may have to drive an extra five miles not to go around that billboard sign that's got that woman on there that draws your attention. If you're struggling with money, you may need to help someone to put you, put over your money so you don't go out and spend your money on things you shouldn't do. I've got a good friend of mine, great leader. He doesn't handle his money. He's got someone in charge of me. He said, if I handle my money, he said, I'll have none left. So he's put someone over and in charge of his money and they give him allowance. They pay all of his bills and give him allowance. Now you, you think that's crazy. I think that's smart. For some of you, it's that woman at work or that man at work that you keep talking to that you need to keep from being around them. The devil has told you a lie that you can't overcome that temptation. He's lied to you. I'm not condemning you tonight. I'm not judging you tonight. I just want you to live the life God's called you to live. If it's not of God, and let me say this, as you grow and mature in Christ, He never stops cutting things off your life. See, there will come a time when it's no longer a sin that God's cutting out of your life. It's something that's just not good for you. There will come that moment in your life where God will say you can't go down this road. Not that it's a, a terrible road. Not that it's a destructive road. It's just not your road. For some of you dating, God won't take people out of your life. It's not that they're a bad person. It's not that they're a horrible person. They're just not your person. And let me say this. I always have to say this. I'm not talking about husbands and wives, okay? Don't you leave here tonight and go tell your husband, I think God's taking you out of my life. Don't, don't you do it. And surely don't you blame me. 
Don't you come to me the next Sunday and say, Pastor, I did it. You did what? I got rid of my husband. You were right. I feel a lot better. I'm going to go. You're going to hell. In fact, that's another thing. Fight the temptation not to be a good husband or a good wife. I'm not saying you're doing terrible things. I'm not saying you're doing horrible things. I'm just saying you're not being the best husband or wife you could be. I walked into the cafe tonight. Ann's already laughing. She knows what it is. I walked over and Miss, my wife was sitting there, walked over and First, I walked up there. Zita was sitting there. I walked over and, you know, hugged Zita. Walked over to my wife to hug her. And she looks at me. She's like, why are you hugging me? You're my wife. And I felt kind of odd to walk up and hug Zita and not hug you. That just wasn't right. She said, well, I'm not one of your church members. You don't have to come hug me. That's what she said to me. Don't y'all feel bad for me? I don't know why I told that story. It has nothing to do with what I was talking about. Not a thing, but it made me feel better. Let me ask you this, and I'll close. Does anybody have something in their life they need to get rid of that is not godly? Let me ask you a question. What are you going to start doing about it? I tell you what cracks me up. Some of you didn't raise your hand, and I'm like, you need to, y'all full of it. Because let me say this. You may not have a what we call a sin, but maybe you get offended very easily. That's a sin. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you don't take correction well. Then you're not going to get any better. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you're not very good with money. You don't go spend on bad stuff. You just don't handle it very well. Well, God tells you to be a good steward. Maybe you're here and it's not that you do sins, but you're just not a very nice person. You're not very happy. You're not full of joy. What is the temptation that you're struggling with that God needs to take out of your life? But the only way He can take it out of your life is if you give it to Him. And if you'll give it to him, oh, he will set you free. I can't make a promise that you'll be set free the day you give it to him. It may take a process. But you've got to be committed to the process. Amen. Will you stand with me? We want to thank you so much for joining us for our service today. We hope that you've enjoyed it. Before we let you go today, I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. And over 2,000 years ago, God the Father gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to die upon a cross for you. That through His death, you would have eternal life. And through the shedding of His blood, you would have forgiveness of all your sins of past, present, and even future. So if you're watching right now, and you're right now living in a life of shame, sadness, and sin, I want to introduce you to my Savior. All you have to do today to be saved is first admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and wonderful love. Believe that He is the Son of the living God, died upon a cross for you, rose on the third day, and lives forevermore at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you. And with your mouth, confess the Lord of your life, and you shall be saved. So if you're watching right now, 
And as I'm saying these words, it's touching something in your heart. And you say, today, I want to give my heart life to Christ. Then I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me my sins and all of my ways. I ask you to come into my heart and into my life. I repent of my ways and I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever and ever. Amen. If you just said that prayer with me, I want you to know that you are a child of God. Your sins have been washed away. You're a new creation, the Bible says. And eternity with Christ is your reward. Do us a favor. If you gave your heart life to Christ today, please let us know in the comments or reach out to the church. And we would like to tell you your next steps in following Christ Jesus. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you guys for joining us here at Compassion Church Online. If God has done anything amazing in your life, a story that you want to share, make sure that you comment below and let us know. We hope that you guys have a great week and we'll see you here next weekend. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc.